I want you to turn with me tonight to the book of 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. It's not enough to have faith. God also wants us to be virtuous. You know, when we purchase an item, no matter what it is, shoes, uh, electronic uh, cell phones, uh, motorbike, whatever it is, when we purchase an item, we inquire of its quality. How well is it made? But we ourselves should be people of quality, good quality, people who are strong in godly character. In other words, some people have a first-class cell phone, first-class tennis shoes, first-class vehicle, and third-class character. <laughs> the Amplified Bible says this, make every effort in exercising your faith to develop moral excellence. So when we talk about faith, we usually think of using your faith for healing or for finances, and that's fine. But how interesting, the way the Amplified Bible words this, how interesting that Peter would encourage us to exercise our faith in order to develop moral excellence. When you think about faith, do you think about, all right, I'm believing God today that He's going to strengthen me in character. He's going to help me on, to, have, to display more of His nature, to walk more of His goodness. Actually, that's not what most people think about. Amen. The strength of any nation does not consist in its bridges and bombs, but in the character of its people. Character is an outward reflection of an inward condition. It is the way we behave, how we order our lives, based on the values that we hold dear. So we should prize honesty more than talent and prioritize loyalty over good looks. We should cherish purity more than money and esteem faithfulness greater than fame. Think about the people in the world definitely do not believe this. They give priority to people who look good, who are super talented, you know, who are famous, that type of thing. But these qualities are not so important in God's eyes. Amen. Character matters more to God than just your status in society. Character is principled living. It is choosing truth over feelings. It is doing what is right even when it is inconvenient or when it costs you dearly. We have, as born-again believers, we have Christ's nature, Christ's life in our hearts. But Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24, tells us, and to put on the new self, to put on the new man, that new creation in Christ, put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Whoa. The International Standard Version says this, clothe yourselves 
with the new nature. Well, our clothes cover our flesh, right? So let that inward nature of God dominate your natural human fleshly tendencies. Amen. So every, every child of God has the potential for godly character because Christ's nature is in him. But character is not what you're capable of. Character is what you habitually do. In other words, we can't just talk the talk. We have to walk the walk. Amen? So <clears throat> to recap a few things, and maybe we just need to kind of, you know, camp in some areas for a little longer. We must be people of integrity. That means we must be people who are completely honest, who do not spin the story, shape the narrative, or distort the truth in any way. When Moses was on Mount Sinai, the people of Israel grew impatient waiting for him. So they said to Aaron in Exodus 32 and verse 1, they said, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, they said, we don't know what has become of him. So Aaron told the people, well, give me the golden earrings from your wives and your children. And then in verse 4, it says, and he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And then he told them, Israel, here are the gods that brought you out of the land of Egypt. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, when he saw the golden calf, he was furious. And that's putting it mildly. He was furious. And he said to Aaron, what on earth has happened to you? I mean, these, this is my translation. He said, what on earth has happened to you? Why did you do this? And Aaron admitted that he asked the people to give him gold. And then in verse 24, he said this. <clears throat> so they gave it to me, meaning the gold earrings, the gold pieces. They gave it to me, and I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. I see... That's, that's not integrity. That's partly true. It's also partly untrue. They didn't throw gold in the fire and suddenly, boom, a calf came out. He, he left out a very important detail. Aaron, you made that with your hands. He didn't want to include that because he knew he was in trouble. Amen. So he was not being completely honest. Integrity doesn't mean you're basically honest. Basically honest means you only lie when you have to. That's not integrity. Integrity means you'd rather die than lie. So, so most Christians are operating on low integrity, very low integrity. Let me help you. If you don't develop integrity, you will never walk in faith. Not much. There is no faith life without integrity. Because if you can't believe your own words, you'll never believe God's. Because you'll think he's a liar just like you. Amen. Amen. All right. <clears throat> In the New Testament, when the Jews saw Paul leaving the temple, they burst into an uproar 
And they said, this is the man that teaches people everywhere, you know, to forget about Moses and the customs of Moses. And furthermore, he has brought Greeks into this holy place. They, they assumed he had done that. He didn't actually do that. But then hearing the commotion, the local Roman tribute rushed in with his soldiers, his platoon, and they arrested Paul. They bound him with chains and ordered him to be flogged to determine who he was and what he had done. Now, being flogged is no little matter. This is not like a little spanking, you know, on the behind. This, this is a serious matter. A scourging, a Roman scourging could result in being maimed, permanently crippled, or even death in some cases. Paul informed the Roman tribune that he was a citizen of Rome, and he reminded him it was illegal to bind and flog a Roman citizen who had never had a trial, you see. So he, he, he released him. But later, <clears throat> when it was determined that Paul would have to go to the governor, Governor Felix, the tribune wrote a letter con concerning Paul's case, and he wrote in Acts 23, verse 27, he said, this man was seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them when I came upon them with the soldiers and rescued him, having learned he was a Roman citizen. No, that's not what happened. He lied. <laughs> he spun the truth. He didn't rescue Paul because he knew he was a Roman citizen. He didn't know that till later. And he left out an important little part. You bound him with chains, you stretched him across the whipping post, and you were about to have him scourged, but you were stopped. So he left that part out. Why? Because he could get in big trouble if he included that part. See, that's low integrity. Low integrity. Then Felix, the governor, had an opportunity to hear Paul's defense. And as he listened to him, he realized that this man has done nothing worthy of imprisonment. He's not a criminal. He's not broken any laws. But he left Paul in prison and called for him often to converse with him. And Acts 24 verse 26 says, at the same time, he hoped that money would be given him by Paul. They had them back then too, didn't they? They had crooks back then too, didn't they? He was looking for a bribe. I said he was looking for a bribe. Perhaps, <clears throat> perhaps Felix was curious to know more about Christ. I, I don't know. But his motives were not 100% completely pure. And furthermore, he left Paul in jail for two years simply because he wanted to do the Jews a favor. That's low integrity, very low integrity. So don't be like that. We live in a world of lies. And the thing is, you're so used to it, it doesn't bother you. That doesn't mean it's okay. That doesn't mean that's God's standard. We live in a culture of corruption. People in government and in the business world routinely lie. Some of them can't tell the truth. Honestly, they can't tell the truth. I mean, even in simple matters, 
Uh, you know, in the church, we will want to purchase some, you know, gadget or some item, and so we'll inquire from the supplier or the shop, and they'll routinely say something like, yes, uh, we can order it, and you'll have it in one week. That never happens. That never happens. I know when they say one week, that literally means one month. One month could be three months. Three months means you're not going to get it. They just lie. They say whatever is convenient to say, and then when there's a delay and we inquire, they come up with some kind of excuse. So we have no confidence in what these people say. Now, there are some people, let me say this, there are some people, we have some builders that we work with, that we've worked with for years. We have some suppliers that we work with, and, and they're not Christians. By the way, the, the people who built this church, they're not Christians. I mean physically, construction-wise. The, the people who did the electrical work, the plumbing work, they're not Christians. But they have more integrity than a lot of Christians I know. I don't want to do business with some guy that's glory, glory, hallelujah, and he's a liar. Hmm? These people don't even, they're not Christians. We, we, sh we have shared with them about the gospel, and I hope that their heart is softening. But they do keep their promises. They do keep their word. So I said, okay, you got a job. Come on. Hallelujah. I remember several years ago, I, I could give you several examples. You yourself could get probably even more. I remember several years ago, I, I, I arrived in Calcutta, city of joy. I arrived in Calcutta. And uh, at the airport, the customs agent, you know, compelled me to open my suitcase and rummage through all my belongings because he wanted to assess, you know, duty, even though there was no dutable items in my suitcase. You know, he said, oh, these socks, these are, these are foreign socks. Uh, we have to pay a fee on that. Uh oh, the, you know, that chewing gum, that's foreign chewing gum. You have to pay, you know. And then, as, I'm, as he's going through all of this stuff, this was several years ago. I, by the way, things have gotten better in this department, so I'm, I'm happy about that. But uh, as he was going through all of those things, he said to me in feigned remorse, you know, fake, sad voice, you know, he said, nobody wants this job, but what to do? Someone has to do it, so here am I. Of course, that was a lie. That was such a whopper, I wanted to laugh out loud. Nobody wants this job. A friend of mine from Calcutta told me, when the local newspaper announces there's an opening in the customs department, the queue for that application for that job lasts blocks and blocks down the street, people waiting to get that job. That was a flat-out lie. And it wasn't even a very smart lie. Hallelujah. I don't know, I'm just tired of the lies. I'm tired of liars. Did you know the Bible said all liars will have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone? God's not a liar. And he doesn't, he doesn't appreciate lying. And lying doesn't mean that you kind of tell the truth and then you also kind of like distort a little bit. No, that's a lie. That's a lie. Be honest. <clears throat> Let me just say this. Some of you may not like it, but... Um, Welcome to my world. <laughs> think of the lies, think of the lies and the distortions which have been perpetrated over to all of us over the past two years. Let me just tell you something rather interesting. One example, in Australia, 
in the year 2020, there were 273,901 deaths, according to their own government statistics. So 2.7 lakhs deaths in the year 2020. Only 1% of those deaths were attributed to COVID. So that's 2,639 deaths, actually less than 1%. In 2020, less than 1% of the deaths were attributed to COVID. However, it has now been revealed, just, just recently, it has now been revealed that of those 2,639 deaths in 2020, 96.7% of those folks already had serious, life-threatening medical conditions. They did not actually die of COVID. They simply died with COVID. So they have announced, they have, re they have revealed that the actual number of people, this is Australia, this is an example, the actual number of people who died not with COVID, but because of COVID, are you ready for it? Dun, 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 83. And the average age of those who died because of COVID was 81 years of age for men and 86 for women, which means they would have died anyways. That's a lie. And for that, we're shutting down the entire country. For that, we're just shutting down everything in place. It's a complete lie. It's a fraud. Let me just go a little further. 2020. Some of you were here. <laughs> you don't even want to. You don't even want to talk about it. I, I get that, but <laughs> I don't blame you. But for 50 days, for more than 50 days, not a single positive case of COVID in Nagaland. Yet we were under the strictest lockdown. Here's my point. Why don't we lock them down? It's their turn. Why don't we lock them down? Why don't we take little lockdown Louie and throw him in jail? Because lives have been put on hold. Two years, no school, basically. Basically, the better part of two years. Small businesses crushed. Why? Because some mental midget decided, some little tin horn tyrant decided we have to close down the whole state. I say fooey on you. And you and I both know you're a liar. And I don't mind telling the truth. It's about time somebody had a little backbone. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the lies. Hallelujah. If you want to wear a face diaper, go ahead. I'm not, I'm not complaining. That's up to you. But don't try to make me wear one. Come on, even the CDC has finally admitted that wearing a face mask isn't very helpful. Everybody I know that got COVID was wearing a face mask. The CDC, Center for Disease Control in America, supposedly an authority, another big lying bureau, they have admitted, they have admitted that the vaccine doesn't work. They've admitted it doesn't work, that getting the vaccine will not stop you from getting COVID and it will not stop you from transmitting COVID, yet they're mandating that you get the vaccine. Why? Money, 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 money. 
because Pfizer and Moderna and all these others are making billions of dollars, that's why. You might say, well, you should just preach the word. Okay, I'm gonna preach the word. But I'm talking about integrity, and there is no integrity in some parts of this world. Amen? Let me get back. If you're angry, good. I'd rather have you angry and think about things than just being a mindless little sheep that follows the devil right into the nala. Come on. Christians need to be people of integrity. We should not just blend in with the crowd. We should stand out and be different. Jesus said in John 13, 35, by this all men will know that you are my disciples. Everybody will know if you have love one toward another. But I think we can also say this. I think we can also say this. Everyone will know you're a Christian if you have integrity. Or let's say it this way. By this, all men will know that you are Christ's disciple if you're not a liar like everybody else they know. You know, if you've told a lie, you say, well, it's just a little fib. There's no such thing as a little fib. It's just a lie. If you've told a lie, then say, God, forgive me. I, 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 I have sinned. That's wrong. I'm asking you to forgive me. And he's merciful. Thank God he's merciful. And then go, neither do I condemn you. Go and lie no more. And if you're, if you're just in the habit of lying, some people just kind of in the habit of lying, you know, they don't even think about it, then stop yourself in the middle and say, wait a minute, that's not true. Wait a minute, let me change that. that, that what I just told you, that's not, that's not true. Amen. Thank you for enthusiasm. Moving along, we should also be people of commitment. We should be people of commitment. The Christian life is all about commitment. I, I mentioned this earlier, uh, previous last week. God is committed to you. That's, that's good news. You're not God's hobby. You're not God's pastime. You're not God's Sunday morning recreation. Right? You are the apple of his eye. Amen. He loves you with an everlasting love. God's committed to us, but are we committed to him? All Christians agree that we should be committed to God. I mean, everybody would say, oh, yes, amen, hallelujah, that's right, oh, yes, praise the Lord, that's right, we should be committed. And then they'll say, and I am committed. Oh, yes, 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 glory, glory, glory. Most Christians overestimate their commitment. Hmm? How is your professed commitment translated into a lifestyle? How can you say you're committed to God if you're not committed to the work of God? How can you say you're committed to God if you're not committed to his church? Come on, some Christians, they, they'd say, well, I like to think of myself as being ecumenical. You know, I go here, and then I kind of go here, and then I go here, and then I go here. I'm ecumenical. Well, no, not really. You're just not committed. How would my wife feel if I say, oh, I love you, honey, I love you. Now, this evening, I'll be at Sister Zama's house, and tomorrow evening, I'll be at Sister Doohickey's house. She would have me committed to the central jail. She would... <laughs> Hallelujah. My parents will never let me be a part of this church. Oh, really? I thought Jesus was Lord. 
I said, I thought Jesus was Lord. Well, you know, you understand. Well, what about Matthew 10, 37? <clears throat> Jesus said this. I didn't say this. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. If we are committed to God, we will be committed to doing His will. And commitment is proven by sacrifice. Sooner or later, if you are truly dedicated to the Lord, He is going to ask you to do something that you don't want to do. The test of commitment is not when you do something that you want to do anyways. It's when you don't want to do it. When your flesh recoils at the thought and yet you know that's God's will for your life. It's okay to do something that you like doing. You know, I like working in this area. I like working with this particular, you know, whatever uh, equipment and things and that kind of area. That, that's, that's not wrong. I mean, that's fine. It's good that you're using your talent for God. But, but the real commitment is when you give your best for something and you don't even really like it. You don't even really want to be there but you know that's what God wants you to do. Sometimes the only thing that will keep you in a place is commitment. Because I have to be here. I have to do this. Amen. That's good character. I said that's having godly, Christ-like character. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Some people are deeply committed to things that don't even matter. In a few days, a few weeks... A few years, no one will even care about that. But what you do for the kingdom of God will be remembered for eternity. 10,000 years from now, it will still be remembered. Come on, come on. In other words, you know, maybe you need to prioritize your commitments. You say, oh Lord, I have so many needs in my life. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these other things will be added to you. Amen. That would seem to indicate to me that your prosperity problem is a commitment problem. Whew. It's just me and Jesus up here. I don't have a friend in the world right now. Amen. Shall we go back to talking about COVID? You seem to like that better. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Oh, let's move on. Another ingredient of good character is impartiality. Impartiality. The Bible says in Acts 10, 34, God shows no partiality. The God's Word translation says God doesn't play favorites. So nobody has an unfair advantage over you in God's eyes. He's not partial. You know, he doesn't say, well, I really like people from Nagaland, people from Assam. Oh. oh, I really like people from South India, people from North India. Oh. No, no, that doesn't, that doesn't enter in at all. Not at all. The New International Reader's Version says God treats everyone the same. Actually, God doesn't treat everyone the same. He responds to people who believe differently than people who don't believe. But what it does mean is he doesn't discriminate against someone based on their ethnicity, their nationality, their social standing, or their financial standing. And that's how we should be. 
I'm sorry, I don't think you heard me on that last phrase. That's how we should be. Hallelujah. James 2.9 says this, but if you show partiality, you are committing S-I-N. Amen. So if you are super duper nice to someone because they have lots of money, and then you treat the poor guy like he's like dog dirt on the bottom of your shoe, you are a sinner. You are, I should say, you are committing sin. Come on, in ministry, I see this happen all the time. You know, here's one guy in the church who's like, you know, super wealthy. He's like this, you know, uber bureaucrat or something like that or whatever. And, you know, and when he's got a little sore throat, a little sniffle, we all rush over there and pray for him. Ooh, lay hands on him, pour three liters of oil on him. We're there at his beck and call. And some guy doesn't have any money at all. He died. He died three years ago. We say, really? I didn't know that. That's not right. That's not right in God's sight. That's wrong. Amen? If there are two candidates for a job, and the first one is more qualified than the second one, but the second one is your wife's relative, who do you hire? Aloshe. <laughs> let, me, let me say this to you. Let me say this to you. Let me say this to you. If it's your own business... Your own, you're the proprietor of your own business, then I guess you do whatever you wish. Now, it may not be wise, but you do whatever you wish. But otherwise, you have to hire the person who's more qualified. You have to select the one who's more qualified. Uh, isn't it funny? You know, the director is from the XYZ tribe, and you notice everybody else in that office is also from the same village as him. We sure have a lot of sinners in Nagaland. He said, you commit sin. Amen. Oh, I could go even further. I'll really get in trouble. Might as well. Let's say this is the ABC Baptist Church. And let's say here's a brother from uh, another state. Our ethnic, ethnically, he's not a local person. But he, but he speaks the language perfectly. He knows all about it. He, maybe he grew up, you know, in Kohima or grew up in Mogukshan, whatever, and he loves the Lord with all his heart. Will he ever be a deacon in that church? Will he ever be a deacon? Then a lot of sinners in our churches too. Come on. Come on, let's just get down to brass tacks. Let's just get honest. A lot of fakery, a lot of sin going on, and that is an offense in the nostrils of God. I can say this honestly, and, I, and, and honestly, I, I mean, I, I'm sure I have weakness. I do have weaknesses in many areas, but I'll just say this. I don't care where you came from. If you look at this church, though my wife is Noggin, she's one from one particular tribe, her relatives don't work in this church. Like, they're not all, all not all the staff members are, her, are from her village. <laughs> they're not even from her tribe. And, and like even this, this, this evening, singing praise and worship, I don't, I don't know where they're from, but I, they're not all from the same village or something. I don't think so. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I, they're from all over the place. Even, even if they were all from the same village or the same tribe, it's just simply because they merited it and they're faithful and they're loyal, but it's not because they're all from the same ethnicity or something like that. I don't care about that. And God doesn't care about that. 
Hallelujah. So you shouldn't care about that. You, you can love your own community, and that's fine. You can have a heart for your, for your own people. That's fine, but you can't show partiality. You can't show partiality. That's wrong. Amen. What I mean is you can't discriminate based on things like, of the flesh. Now, I do discriminate. I do not treat everybody the same. I treat people who are faithful differently than people who are unfaithful. I treat people who are loyal differently than people who are disloyal. But I don't discriminate based on the flesh. So we don't all have the same outcome, but we can all have the same opportunity. Thank you for your enthusiasm again. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus said to his disciples in Luke 22, verse 28, you are those who have stayed with me in my trials. So he shared some things with his disciples who endured with him in difficult times that he didn't just tell the crowd. So he did discriminate, but he was not showing partiality based on where they came from or who their mother was or anything of that nature. Amen? Say it with me. God shows no partiality. Neither do I. Say it like you mean it. Neither do I. Some of you are like struggling to say it again. Neither do I. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Another important part Another important ingredient in good character, Christ-like character, is goodness. And that's a big word, of course, but specifically what I mean is the inclination to do good things for others and a willingness to share. So we should be generous people. Is my mic still on? How many of you have already gone home, left your body in the church chair? We should be generous people. Amen. Not stingy people. Glory to God. Nobody loves a stingy man. Even the devil doesn't love you. <laughs> One quality. I'm going to score some points tonight. One quality I admire with Pastor Jeppy is she's generous. She's very generous. She, she definitely is a giver. She inspires me, sometimes perspires me. She is a giver. She really is. She really is. She has purchased dozens of motorbikes and scooters for others. Amen. One time there was a young person giving a testimony. They needed a two-wheeler, and they're praying and believing God. And, and then the person said, and somebody in the church bought me a two-wheeler. So everybody rejoiced. On the way home from the service, I asked my wife, by the way, do you know who the church member is that bought that two-wheeler? And she looked at me and said, yeah. And I said, who was it? And she said, you. <laughs> so she's generous with other people's money. <laughs> she would say, it's not other people's money. It's, it's our money. I earn, she burns. <laughs> I'm like Potiphar. All I know is what they give me to eat. Otherwise, I have no idea what's going on around here. <laughs> Hallelujah. My wife continually gives to those in need. Amen. Even the staff get frequent cost of living increases. Even in America, 
she gives large offerings. We've been to conferences and whatnot, and she gives these large offerings. I don't know where she gets the money from. She says, I'm a money magnet. And maybe it's because she knows, like Anne Frank once said, no one has ever become poor by giving. Amen. Amen. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18, we read this. It says, concerning those who are rich in this world, or rich in this present age, they are to do good. To be rich in good works. To be generous and ready to share. Now, as soon as I say that, about 90% of you went, yeah, but I'm not rich, so I don't have to bother with that. But if you're believing God for prosperity, then that's the first thing you have to do. Hallelujah. Isn't it funny? Some people, when they're in the mall, they act like they're kropatis. But in the church, they become beggars. Just a thought. Just a thought. Amen. Generosity, somebody said this, I saw this, I like this. Generosity is like a muscle. The more you stretch it, the stronger it gets. And just like we are increasing in faith and faithfulness, we should be growing in generosity. Some people are still giving the same amount today that they gave back in 1994. They haven't really stretched themselves. It's real quiet again. Hallelujah. Shall we take up another offering right now? Just, just, just. Stinginess is similar to stinkiness. Stinginess is the constant fear of lack. Hmm. But God's called us to live by faith. I'm not suggesting that you be foolish in how you spend your money. I'm not suggesting that you just throw your money away. But be a good steward of the resources entrusted to you. If you want to, be stingy with yourself. Be generous with those in need. Give lavishly to the extension of God's kingdom. Winston Churchill, since we quoted Anne Frank, let's quote Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Be discerning. Be wise. Don't be tight-fisted when you should be generous. And in the end, you will not be remembered for what you got, but for what you gave. Hallelujah. Good character. Our God's a generous God. Our God's a giver. He gave his best. He gave his son for us. And he keeps on giving. He didn't stop there. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So we need to grow in generosity. Praise the Lord. Grow in goodness. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. We don't want to be the kind of people who shy away from an opportunity to be a blessing to someone. Right? Some people say, a friend in need is a pest. No, when somebody's in need, then here's an opportunity to be a blessing. Stand with me to your feet. Praise the Lord.